Welcome to episode 53 of the Toadstool Boardroom for the week of August 2nd, 2023. It's our The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom spoiler cast. My name's Logan Play, and I'm joined by the birthday boy, Justin Corais. Happy birthday, Justin. What's <laughs> up, so, Logan? Thank you very much. What a what a perfect time to have a Zelda cast uh, on my birthday. I could not ask for a better gift. And you just wrapped up the game last night. Just literally last night, like minutes before we hit midnight uh, and it ticked my birthday. Wonderful. That's that's a great way to start the day. Well, this is the Tears of the Kingdom spoiler cast. So right now is the one and only big, big flashing red banner spoiler tag warning. We're going to talk about whatever we want in this game. Justin can talk about something I haven't even seen. I might talk about something he hasn't even seen. We're, We're doing it all. We're doing it all. From the main story to the ending to all the side quests to anything that happened from start to finish. So if you haven't finished the game yet or you're not ready for your uh, time with Tears of the Kingdom to totally be spoiled yet, uh, come back and listen to this episode some other time. Sound good, Justin? That sounds good. Uh, Listeners, ye be warned. Yes, you've all been warned. So let's get right into it with the finale because I think it's an incredibly special part of this game. Justin, you told me last night one of the best endings of a game you've seen. Mm-hmm. So now a day later, uh, you've had some time to process it. Let's talk about it. What do you think of the finale from kind of the the moment that you descend underneath yeah. Hyrule Castle all the way to the end? Yeah, I have to say it, it it's spectacular. I the they do a really good job of a lot of different things. One of which is even that that moment where you are on the precipice of the ending and you take that step. So, and they did that well in Breath of the Wild too. But you're you know standing above the chasm in, uh, at Hyrule Castle, and you know, like, all right, am I ready? Am I going to take the leap? Like, is my like uh, is my health up? Do I have items on me? Do I have weapons with me? Like, am I ready? Okay, deep breath. Let's go. And it's a long descent down. And, you know, you it's does such a beautiful job letting you sort of um, kind of contemplate, like, on the trip down, everything it took to get you there. And especially this being the first time not knowing what's ahead of you and not knowing what the trip through the depths are going to look like. And the fact that it you go to, like, the depths of the depths. Like, these are some deep, deep depths. It's 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 outstanding. It's it's a, a a perfect doorway to everything that comes next after that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love that descent underneath. And I like how this game doesn't tell you where the ending is like Breath of the Wild did. And mm-hmm. actually, there's a part we haven't been able to talk about on this show at all is the string of quests that come after the four regional phenomena that that yeah. secret fifth dungeon that takes you to the, the depths with Mineru and the construct it's the fifth it's crazy. sage incredible mm-hmm. yeah that was a you good get, part you, of it you you get a robot buddy oh uh, yeah we'll talk let's talk uh, about that in a little bit later i want to stick yeah. on the on the ending for now mm-hmm. uh, but yeah just heading down into hyrule castle underneath hyrule castle and then the enemy rush it's pretty legit, and that was kind of oh, it's so good. Tears of the Kingdom yeah. as a whole that I really liked was that the, those sequences where you have the the big enemy group health bars, whether that's mm. your side adventures defending the different regions around Hyrule, or whether that's this this big finale part where you're being helped by the sages. There's just tons and tons of enemies coming at you, uh, and then of course after you beat that all the bosses from the temples reappear and and take on the respective sages. So just like in Breath of the Wild, if that sage isn't there to fight fight it for you, you have to fight it. 
and and before you can go and challenge Ganondorf, which is yeah, I would, a smart way of them doing it. This I'm, time I'm, I'm 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 glad you looked into that because I was wondering, you know, what the options were if you had gone into there early and. Yeah, so the whole approach, right, where you drop down and you have to fight through a large number of difficult enemies. There's a lot of gloom around. You lose access to the sages for a while. So it sort of strips everything back from you and it's just you and your weapons. Um, you have to slap some gloom hands. And then, like you said, I, throughout the entire game, have loved these army battles, basically. I thought they've been really cool. And just from a like thematic and narrative standpoint, I love the juxtaposition of you you lost all the champions in breath of the wild. They all fought the respective bosses that you fought and they died. And here you leave them to fight the bosses and you just trust that they're going to make it through it. Okay. And they do. And it's, it, it's such a brilliant callback and it feels so good. And it, I will say it's so triumphant. And especially cause like by that point, if you're like me, you had a lot of really good weapons on you. And so they're throwing, tons of dudes at you and i've got like a giant like royal greatsword with like a gloom spear on the end of it i'm just spinning <laughs> the health bar just going as it goes down then the next guys come out wreck them next guys come out wreck them it, it was so much fun i i honestly i really liked in the service when we do things like that i wish there were more of these honestly i i wish like there were more of them and there were some challenging ones i hope we get something like that in some dlc we talked about how there's kind of a uh, almost seems like a tower defense moment in uh, the uh, Gerudo village, like yeah. expanding on that and doing it right here. And I will say, even though having the um, all of your allies function like the spirits do, having them there like full color in person, it feels different. It hits different. And launching, you know, at these dudes and like having Tulin steal all your kills and snipe like <laughs> like he does and cracking lightning on people incredible feeling it felt so good and especially like after you know spending so much time in this game and i'm well over 100 hours at this point um to to feel strong and do that was amazing yeah absolutely and i think that one of the biggest criticisms for me and a lot of people about breath of the wild was its ending is not great like it's its yeah. ending is a little bit underwhelming uh the the final boss specifically i think that like it's just it just kind of ends with a thud after such a grand adventure. And so, so far through Tears of the Kingdom, everything, all the boxes were checked of things you wanted improved from Breath of the Wild. There's still that big question hanging over your head. Is the ending going to be more satisfying? Is it going to be better? And it is. And I think that yeah, it's so starts, much so it starts from the very beginning when you drop down there and the music, which I wanted to make sure to mention is. Yes, yes, so yes, yes. Cool oh, my ends. goodness. The music is fantastic. I love that we get, you know, remixes of some classic themes in some moments. We get what sound like new themes. I couldn't quite tell in some of the parts of the depths if this was a variation on something or if it was something new. But this is really the the, the part of the game outside of cutscenes where you really uh, have the most presence of the music and it's it is really really good and really additive to the experience um my so here's my question for you for you logan while we're talking uh, talking about this what what was your prep like like when did you know it was time to go and uh what did you like and like how much thought did you put into like what you were bringing with you uh i knew it was time to go when I was worried of getting spoiled on the internet of what was happening. I was I was so far into this game. I did everything. I mm. managed to do the entire fifth stage sequence without knowing that it was in the game. And yeah, then, same. 
Uh, yeah, which is remarkable for you, especially because mm-hmm. the right. game's been out for two and a half months. Uh, but I just wanted to go and finish it. I also actually I kind of wanted to do it before I got too strong was kind of mm-hmm. my thinking. I was like, I have I, agree. I don't I have like less than a completed row of hearts. I have yeah. pretty decent weapons, but I want to go and do this before I 100 percent the game and have 30 hearts and and um, exactly how I felt armor. So, yeah, that's why I decided to do it when I did it. Did you spend much time prepping, like, healing items or making sure you had strong weapons, yeah, arrows, I anything house. like that? I went to the house that you can buy and build in Hateno Village, or sorry, Terrytown, and uh, I cooked for a really long time and uh, just made sure I had everything. I When I knew you had to go down to the depths, I figured he dealt gloom damage like the Phantom Ganons do, so yeah. I uh, made sure to cook a bunch of meals that uh, would prepare me for that. But, yeah, that's when I decided to go down and... It's just so cool. We're not we're not even to the boss yet. We're still talking we'll about get the there. approach. And yeah, we're, we're talking about the door in front of the boss. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I wanted to say about the music was it was kind of a full circle moment, I think, for this entire game, this entire experience, because uh, the the music as you're approaching that big jump down to where this all this fighting starts. It's that same like eerie inverted voices mm-hmm. like playing backwards from the very first trailer of this game. And it just like gave me chills. It's like we've been waiting for this for for four years, and now I'm like, yeah. knocking down the door to the end. And yeah, I just thought that yeah, was so special. It's especially the way that like it 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 picks up, it layers onto itself more, it becomes more chaotic and haunting, yeah. and 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 frankly eerie. And it it you know it's it very much feels like. Um, you know, in Breath of the Wild, it's, it's almost like you're evicting this tenant at a Hyrule Castle. Yeah. Here, you you are not in your territory. This is not uh, a place that you're generally meant to be, and it feels mm-hmm. like it. Uh, you're you're the interloper, and um, and uh, it's it's the, the the music is a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about actually getting to Ganondorf because this is a multi-phased Ganondorf boss fight. Oh like yeah, we've it seen is. across the series. It starts with this one-on-one sword duel where you're just fighting Ganondorf. It's kind of similar to the ending of Twilight Princess, mm-hmm. uh, which is very cool. What did you think of this first phase? I liked it. I, I like that I didn't have to fight the beef jerky version of uh, Ganondorf. I, I, I like that he looked like himself. And I was worried when I saw some of the, the cutscenes earlier in the game when he became like long, flowing hair Giga Chad Gan- Ganondorf. Yes. That we wouldn't ever get to fight like this version of him, kind of like the regular man, uh, the regular king of the Gerudo. Um, and so, yeah, you got to the, the fight itself was relatively simple and straightforward. If you had fought any of the Phantom Ganons, he just sort of replicated like those moves to an extent. Um, but just the, the the fact that like you know, he had uh, you know pretty big uh, health bar, he was agile and aggressive. I, I, I thought it was, it was a great fight. It was it was definitely very much a a this feels like phase one kind of fight. Like even if you didn't know that that's just how these fights always go in Zelda games, it just very much felt like okay, here's here's your taste. You get you get your your first nibble um, before all hell breaks loose, and it it breaks loose. It does. Yeah, there's the fight is pretty easy to kind of cheese if you want to. Like you just attach a spring to your shield, and then you do a shield surf. And then you whip out your bow and arrow and then you just attach your strongest stuff in bullet time and you can kill him like instantly. I, I think I fired maybe one arrow in the entire boss fight sequence and he like dodged it immediately. I was like, OK, I'm not using arrows here because I had a, I had like 40 Gibdo bones 
which are the best <laughs> use material in the yeah. game, That's but they good. break on one use. So you yeah. use them for arrows and I just That's smart. them. That, that, so that's really clever. I will say for for me, and I think this is similar to our conversation about not wanting to make things too easy. I and this is true, like Twilight Princess, other ones. I revel the idea of a one on one like sword fight with Ganondorf. That is yeah. something that I want to engage in. So like, you know, yeah, like I'll I'll, I'll hook him with the fishing line in Twilight Princess for fun and to goof around. But <laughs> yeah. uh uh, I like I really wanted to, to 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 fight him with the master sword and the the one main piece of prep I did do is I hadn't grabbed the Hylian shield mm. yet so I made sure to grab that before I went down there which yes. by the way he he almost shattered that thing really fast actually he did break uh, mine he broke yeah, it on dude, one hit yep dude hits hard yep. <laughs> but I, and I also I love that they understood that a lot of people wanted to do this again this is the iconic weapon and so like the master sword doesn't break uh, in this encounter. Yes. It uh, you don't have to worry about it running out of energy, which means even though I had a bunch of like really really high da- damage weapons, I was never tempted to to switch out of that. Like I was I, I was I was fighting him like stripped down, plain, very straightforward one on one, and it was exactly what I wanted out of that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. I think the one of the biggest like oh crap moments of the fight for me. Is when his second phase starts. Yes, and the health oh my bar God. just keeps growing off the screen. That was so cool. Again, kind of comparing it to to what Breath of the Wild did. It's like you gather all four divine beasts, and they instantly whittle Calamity Ganon's health yeah. bar down. Half. Health bar gone instantaneously. And it's like that's so like deflating. And this does the opposite, where it's like, all right, phase two, it's off the screen, and it's such a like, it's like campy, but in the best way. Yeah. It's so video gamey, but just like. The health bars for every enemy, regardless if they have the same amount of health, they're the same like physical yep. size on the screen. And then for them to kind of buck that trend at the final moment was so cool. That was so cool. I think that's so much of what makes Ganondorf a great foil in this game is he breaks the rules. He isn't bound by what's been established that enemies can do. So like that moment where you see the health bar fill up and it just keeps going. And going and going like that was very much a like, like, oh, my goodness, my like my eyebrows shot to the top of the head. Yeah. My eyes got wide. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, uh, in in the best way. And then that fight starts. And like, I think he does this a little bit in the first phase, but much more so in the second one. Like, you know, uh, you start hacking at him and he dodges you. Yes. And he puts it into like flurry rush mode uh, and or even like, you know, he. He lined up to this big spear thrust at me like he, he does in some of these attacks. I dodge it, perfect time, it start my flurry rush. No! He dodges my flurry rush and starts one of his own. He he breaks so many of what we thought were like rock-hard rules in how combat works against enemies. And it is so much of, of what makes him feel like he is something different and beyond everything else that you fought and that like oh this this is the the demon yeah. king this this is this is him yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. i am i am fighting him right now uh, how did you how did you like that second phase fight overall i liked it a lot i liked that we we did get to see him in his what i call demise phase he totally mm-hmm. looks like demise even though very very much so the demon king ganondorf um, but i really liked that phase the sages swoop in to help you which I mean, it's it's cheesy, it's whatever, but it was cool in the moment when it, it happened. It was necessary. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. yeah but yeah. then for me, I think 
probably my favorite moment of the game is what happens right at the end of this phase when he rips his own stone off of his head and, and slips it down his gullet and, and swallows it to become the demon dragon. Dude, I I could not believe it. I'm like yeah. sometimes kind of a, a hard person to surprise in terms of story and narrative. And that got me. And I felt so silly for not seeing it coming because it's like, of course, this is going to happen. But just the the like pure desperation of this moment when he rips that stone off his head. Oh, my gosh. And you realize instantly what's happening. That is just incredible. It's one of my they, favorite moments in the series. They got me so good with that, because like you, I, I did not anticipate that in the slightest. It yeah. never occurred to me that like if Zelda could do it, he could do it. And then you get to the 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 end of that second phase where you would have to whittle down that entire health bar. <laughs> no one's going to help you. Um, and I, I will say I there was a big challenge for me for a, lo- a lot of reasons, which we can yeah. talk about. But like. What, what when like his health bar gets down and like he gets that desperate look in his face and you see him kind of like tilt his head up. That's when I was like, no, he's not going to. And then he rips it out and you're like, oh, hell, this is <laughs> this is going to get crazy. Yeah. And that. Yeah. And then he, he eats it. The ice chain, this massive, massive dragon uh, spawns, gra- grabs Link immediately in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, like, you know, that that whole write up, I'm like, it's I, I think after that, it gets predictable, but in a good way. It's like, oh, man, I, I cannot wait for Zelda uh, to swoop in uh, and, and turn this into the real fight. And it is beautiful. Like the 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 size and the motion of these dragons way high up in the sky as they circle and the attacks and the scale of it. And even like just the the way that the light dragon moves, um, it was it was I, I thought it was a beautiful like the whole fight i almost like didn't want to take control because i just wanted to to see like that continue yeah i also really enjoyed that ending sequence in the sky i think that something nintendo's really good at is circling back to kind of how the game started and we've talked about that before on the show with twilight princess how you you learn to wrestle the goat and then at the very end of the game you (laughs) wrestle ganon in the same way and i think that just the game starting and, and ending in the sky was just very it just fit i think very well from everything we saw about this game beforehand and then uh and then at the end when you reach out and you grab zelda and this time you catch her which you can't at the beginning of the game when she's falling into the pit just really nice kind of full circle things that i think that they they do really really well and i i really like when the hardest part is the part right below the last part i've said that before i love when video games let you end in something triumphant yeah right that the very very uh that when you've overcome the big challenge you get to do something great and feel great about it and that dragon fight is so much that it's exceptionally challenging but it looks fantastic it's breathtaking to watch it's very cool to like figure out what you need to do and the mechanic behind doing damage and then (laughs) like in a lot of Zelda games, you get that big glowing spot to drive your sword in at the end. And I always have a flair for wanting to do things in the coolest dramatic way possible. So of course, you know, I make sure to like position myself directly above it and do like a leaping stabbing, uh, strike to, uh, start that, that final thing. And then just like putting down my controller and watching the sequence of events that comes next. And yeah, a perfect callback of that moment where uh, uh, Link has to make the rescue. And I do think sort of keeping with the that theme of like trust uh, that you know you have with the uh, with your companions prior, like 
this fight is a similar thing. I knew without being told it that if I jumped off, Zelda was going to catch me. Like the light dragon was going to be there to pick me up no matter what happened. And that's so different from Breath of the Wild where you do everything in isolation and you're always by yourself. Whereas here, I'm just... I, I have I have absolute faith. And so, you know, I launch my attacks. I go after it. I jump off. And then I just wait. I just wait because I know I'm going to get picked up. And I tried doing every type of leap you could do to see if there were different, different ways that you got yeah. picked up. And you did. So it's like, you know, if you're free fall versus gliding versus diving straight towards the ground, uh, you get picked up like different ways. And again, just there's that attention to detail, too, where like it didn't have to animate all these ridiculous like swooping ways for uh, the light dragon to come in yeah. or even one where if you go too far because you're dodging the light dragon all the way down, uh, you get a little cutscene picking you up, too. Um, and then, you know, I'm I'm so um, invested in like zelda like the the character by this point that like that the turn to that sequence where link has to catch her and the fact that they put you in control of that which is so huge and by the by this point if you're at this point in the game you've spent a lot of time gliding through the air and so it's it's almost flawless movement to to like just drop down and catch her and actually like i held up at right at the last bit to see like what the closing speed was like and again do sort of a little bit more like more dramatic like um like kind of slow like catch reunion in the air and i love that they let you play through that and then just like waiting for them to crash into the the water below uh, it start to finish I, I i thought it was it was fantastic it was um, just a master class in like and our, a, a way to artistically do this like end game content. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I have been thinking about it nonstop since yesterday. In so many ways, this entire game, like we've talked about before is like breath of the wild 2.0 in, in mm-hmm. terms of like you, you start on the great sky Island or the great plateau. And then you go to the four corners, the four races, and you work with the four modern day champions. And then you go to the middle of the map you fight two forms of Ganon, and then it's over. And I just think that the way it pulls off this ending is yeah. just so much grander. I think that the the final sequences, whether you're talking about Pig Ganon in Hyrule Field or the Demon Dragon in the skies, the Demon Dragon is that fight just sticks with me way more than yeah. Zelda literally shouting at you, shoot the glowing spots, Link. Like it's essentially the same. Right. You land at these like three or four points and, and destroy mm-hmm. them with your master sword, but it's just so much more impactful and like visceral. And I think it just leaves a, a much better impression than that finale did before. And then, yeah, I was so impressed that and surprised because I'd put the controller down and then they give you control again to save Zelda. Like, oh, like, oh, really? yeah, uh, and a lot of games don't do that. You yeah. land the final blow and you're just watching along for the rest of the way. But I think that it's just, I just really like the feel of it, of them giving you control. No, you are the one. You are Link, right? That's always yeah. what Zelda's been. You are Link and no more so than the final moments of this game where you skydive down and, and grab Zelda. It's so, so cool. Such an amazing ending. Maybe, mm. I don't know, Twilight Princess still might be my favorite finale. I think that that horseback fight and then the sword fight in the field is just amazing. But this is up there. This is up there in, in the best 3D Zelda finales for sure. Yeah, and honestly, they're they're almost inverted because in, you know, this one you start with, base, you know, base Ganondorf, right? Mm-hmm. And then Demon King Ganondorf. And then, and then the, the dragon, whereas in Twilight Princess, you start with, like, Beast Ganon, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then you finish with just, again, stripped down, just one-on-one in the field, uh, Ganondorf. And so it's kind of going opposite directions. And I don't know which one I necessarily prefer. I do, again, I, I, I do revel that, like, final sword fight. So I'll have to think about which one I like more long-term. But I, I do think those are the two strongest entries in the, the series for me by far. Um, yeah. I uh, Even though I had really good items... Uh, I found the overall ending string of fights challenging, which I really enjoyed. Um, in particular, I will say second form Ganondorf. Um, like you know, speaking of breaking the rules, like he can, he takes your hearts away. He doesn't just like gl- gloom them, lock them out. He decreases the size of your health bar. What the heck, man? Wait, you can't restore uh, them with the with food? No, so okay, so when so you know how he sends those like fireball attacks yeah. at you, those like gloom balls. So when those hit you, they don't break the hearts and turn them gray; they delete them. Oh my gosh, I did not notice that. Yeah, I, that yeah. is so, incredible. And so it's just like that moment in the beginning of the game when you go from the full health bar down. Yeah, yeah. it's it's that. So so you don't you don't you don't get to eat anything to bring those back. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, I was underprepared. I actually, I thought I had had a bunch of like gloom food on me. I didn't have any. So by oh, the time no. I, so by the time I got like, to, uh, you know, maybe a third of the way into that second phase, I was down to four hearts. Wow. And that it was like, is tough. And so, and yeah. And so like, I am, uh, and I'm like, I am, I only have one chance in my life to beat this fight on my first try. This yes. is this is this is the only chance I'll ever get. So I like I am like try hard mode, sweat down my brow. I'm I'm playing like really defensively, avoiding his attacks, reflecting his stuff back at him. And it took me a minute to like even think of that. So like I got tried arrow, flutter rushing, all these things, nothing worked. And so like you know having to work out that puzzle in this high stress environment was such a perfect encapsulation of this moment in the game and then you know whittling away at him and again like you know when i'm down to four hearts like he could knock those four hearts off of me any (laughs) any time and and so i had to play like a perfect like second half of that fight against him to get to that last phase uh and i i pulled it off and then that moment where you're you finally drive the sword into it the whole cutscene you uh, everything explodes. You grab Zelda. I had such a sense of relief, like relief from a story standpoint, that I had finally saved Zelda. You get the little th- the little banner that says like uh, "Find Zelda Complete." Yes. Relief that I had overcome this challenge that was extremely difficult that I w- I really felt was at a lot of risk. Um, it just that yeah, this massive relief and this massive satisfaction. Um, it, it is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it's one where it's like like sometimes you know you beat you uh beat a game you want to immediately pick it up again. No, like I was, I set the controller down when the credits started to roll and you got the title screen that says the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, and I just savored it. Like I just like soaked it all in, and um, not a lot of video games really make me feel like that. Feel like that once we reach the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. Yeah, some games you'd like check out the post game, go start mm-hmm. ticking off other quests. But now I put this de- away for the day after I finished mm-hmm. it because it was just yeah, it is. It's that much of an exclamation point on, on the entire experience, which, yeah, it, it needed. And it was it was amazing. I will say my, my only criticism of this end sequence is uh, in Breath of the Wild. If you found all the memories, you get that bonus cutscene at the end 
of them setting off to rebuild. In this game, the trigger to getting that bonus uh, post-credits cutscene is doing the fifth Sage quest at all. If you do that huh. quest, you get that scene at the end where you basically like say goodbye to, to Mineru. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that Mineru was, she was an important character, but like this game was really about like Link and Zelda. So for that to be the, the moment the game leaves you with, I, it didn't perfectly land with me. I honestly would prefer it if it hadn't been there. I like how it ended uh, before that a lot more. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I, I always want more. Like I want more from them. Yeah. And so like, I didn't mind it. I definitely felt like, I think like a lot of people, uh, the fifth stage was something that I did pretty close to when I finished the game. Yes. Sir. So I also, I didn't have a strong connection uh to uh Mineru like I did to the other characters. Um I had you know I hadn't spent a lot of time playing with my robot and things yeah. like that. Uh and so yeah it, it it wasn't a big emotional pull for me. I did I did feel like it was for Zelda because like Zelda had spent a great deal of time with that character. And in so much as like Link is your avatar, I do really like that in that scene like Link is just one of five basically like you know they all stand in a circle around it and like he's it's not his story at that point like it's it's like zelda's chapter with this character that's closing and i like that they even do their little like um whatever their like chant is uh like they're you know swearing their like loyalty to the cause or what have you and like they start it and the link is still silent and everybody kind of looks at him and (laughs) they shake their head and and then they do it anyway uh, and so I, I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I, I liked it. It it wasn't as it wasn't it personally impactful as the ending of Breath of the Wild, where like you know that you know do you remember me? Like that was just such a oh, just like seize your heart. But like I, I liked it, and I did like. I'm glad that we weren't left in a like any kind of cliffhanger or like you know they crash into the water and then we just never see what happens next. Like I'm yeah. I'm glad we got some sign that life is going on and that you know that they have a a next a next purpose yeah absolutely so we got a lot to talk about besides the ending uh on our spoiler cast and there's a lot of other stuff in this game (laughs) yeah so let's keep talking about the story here Uh, i want to start with just this is the second time around they told the story in basically the same manner in how it was delivered to us you go around and you collect the memories this time they're much easier to find geoglyphs rather than the just uh photo points you had to track down yourself from Breath of the Wild. Uh, but did you like how the story was told? And do you think that story can succeed in such an open format like this? I would say generally, yes. Um, I like that there was a lot more story, it felt like, to go with a lot of these moments. Like, you know, the, the very first time you complete a temple and you get this big cutscene and it fills these things in, like that that had a lot of weight with me. And it, that really pulled me in. And, you know, similar to other Zelda games, um, like Twilight Princess, like it did a lot more to be cinematic. Um, a lot of the side quests had good stories to them. So I do like them from that standpoint. I would still like a lot more story, mm-hmm. honestly. And that is something that I do feel like the classic format still does a little bit better. Um, yeah. Where, you know, you go here, you get a chunk of story. You go here, you get a chunk of story. And, like, there, there is sort of a guided path. And the sense that, like, the world is evolving. Like, as you go through it, not just like, oh, it's no longer stormy here. But, like, you know, the antagonist has done this and gotten to this. Mm-hmm. And you've uncovered this that and and all of these things um so i i would like more from it from that standpoint frankly i i do have not a small number of qualms with the with the story itself um but i i think they're on the right track i i, I things that, that would help more is like 
way, way, way more voice acting. Um, like way more. Um, you know, it, I, I don't necessarily know that, you know, we don't need it to be Mass Effect where every single line of dialogue from every single person everywhere is voiced. But like, you know, when I'm talking to the champions or whatever we call them nowadays, like I would like for those conversations to largely be voice. When I'm going through something like the Sand Temple and like Reju is talking to me as we go, like that makes the world feel so much more alive. And so I would like a lot more of those things. And I would like a lot more of those story moments that you get at the end of it interspersed. Like, okay, I've done this thing. I, or I completed this other side quest, but that is actually really important to like the core thing. Like, let's have some conversation. Let's tell some more story there. Um, but I, I, I am, uh, you know, I'm talking about that probably a difference between like a B plus storytelling and what I would consider like a storytelling. So I'm, I'm not, it's not a, it's not bad by any stretch. It, it's, it's successful in a lot of ways and an improvement uh, over Breath of the Wild pretty clearly in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I think that I actually don't, I've never really felt like we need more voice acting in Zelda. I don't, I don't know, personally, like in games where they're talking to you and you're also reading what they're saying, whoever sits there and actually listens to the whole box. Like I always just like read the box and skip. So they always are like getting cut up in the middle of their sentences. And it's like, "Ah, I don't really need it. But I think that where the open format kind of it struggles in its storytelling was for one, I did every, I did every memory in one day. I said, okay, Mm -hmm. it's memory day. I'm going to go do them all. And I just did. And it's like, all right, there's the entire story of the game. And then I didn't beat it for like 60 more hours. So mm-hmm. there is just, there's not that pacing of that payoff of that. Exactly. For Link. It's like Link mm-hmm. learns that Zelda is this dragon. And then you go around for the next 30 hours doing these side quests. Where it's like, we think we saw Zelda. Link knows it's not Zelda, but he yeah. just doesn't say it. And he does the side quest and it's the Yiga clan. And it's like, uh, I, I don't really have a big issue with it because I think the open gameplay is so impeccable that it doesn't really bother me. But I think if you look at it strictly through a story lens, that's a limitation of this format. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And then I wish that I understand that the memories in this one and in the last one were tied to location, right? In Breath of the Wild, the locations you went to, the memory took place there. And Mm -hmm. here it was the geoglyph. What the geoglyph looked like, the memory was about that. But I do wish that the memories were delivered to you in a specific order, like just one to 10, no matter which spot you went to first, you still mm, get the next one. Yeah. Up. The first cut scene I got was the one where Mineru says, you can swallow this stone to become a dragon. And for the rest of the game, I knew yep. well, that's what that's what she does. That's that's what happens. Yeah, because they wouldn't put in a game with so little story. They wouldn't yeah. put something like that in there. It was really matters. Yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate in that, like, because I held off on that to the end, I, I was in this weird boat where, like, I also saw the entirety of the story in my last 10 or so hours of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was able to, because I had uncovered everything, more or less, I was able to do them all in order intentionally. Yeah. It's like, that helped hold that together. I mean, I, I as cool as that is, I would like for them to get away from that, from, like, the core central story. Um, like, I, I don't have an issue with that, of there being, like, additional side story or filler or background yeah. information. But, like, I, I do want a lot more story front and center. And, and I also understand that, frankly, like, Anuma and crew, like, they simply don't see that the same way I do. Like, frankly, we disagree strongly on the importance of story uh, and on the importance of a cohesive Zelda story <laughs> overall. Um, uh-huh. And so I, I'm alone on that. But, um, yeah, I'd, 
hopefully for whatever comes next, whenever that happens, it's not a, all right, go collect the 10 cutscenes to get the story type of uh, format. Yeah, it'd be nice for them to shake that up. And then, I know, I'm sounding really critical. I love this game. It's my favorite game of all time, but it's not, there's no perfect game in existence, mm-hmm. really. Uh, I think that another weakness is the, every time you complete a temple, they tell you about the imprisoning war, and it's the same thing every time. The yeah. sages, they do not even give them names. They are just <laughs> like a Goron and a Rito uh, wearing these masks, and they just, let me tell you about the imprisoning war. And the only difference is like, and I was standing to Roru's left, and that's it. And it's like, and they place the camera in a different spot and show the same cutscene yeah. five times. Yeah. So I, I, I thought, yeah, I thought that was a bummer. Frankly, like the sages, um, they could have been so much more to give them character because they really didn't have a lot of character. Um, which the champions in Breath of the Wild had a ton of character. Frankly, I wish we had a lot more of them because I love them so much. Yeah. Uh, and the the new generation sages, I have a lot of character and I'm very invested in these like rando people with faded gray color palettes wearing masks the whole time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll turn it around though into something positive. The master sword in this game is, I think arguably the best master sword moment in the series. I think it's arguably the best moment in the series. I really, Ooh. Do. I Ooh. really think it is. I felt it the night that I got the sword and I have continued to feel that way that in the two months since that's happened, I think that the, cause you see it coming, right? That Zelda's going to be the dragon. She's going to do this. And I did not see it coming that that is how we would go and get the sword. You climbing on her back and running up and the, the, the little twist that, Oh, this time it's not hearts. It's stamina. So you better mm-hmm. have enough stamina to get that sword. Uh, yeah, and that was good. Just the most gorgeous cutscene. I put on links, um, his Sky Island outfit, the green, the green tunic with like the the skirt and the, and the boots. I put that on, and the cutscene is just a skirt. A, it's a gorgeous <laughs> cutscene. It's incredible, so cool. Because for all the things that like Breath of the Wild shook up, you still get the Master Sword in the forest and you draw it out of the stone. It's mm-hmm. very traditional. This is easily the most non-conventional way they've ever delivered that moment to us, and it paid off huge. I I loved it. Yeah, I, I I love the Master Sword story in this entirely. Let me ask you this, though. Did did you know, like, had you seen the cutscenes before you drew the Master Sword? Like, did you know that Zelda was a light dragon yes. when you pulled the sword? Yes, so, I did. So I, I did not. Interesting. Yeah. That is so different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, because, you know, I had, I basically, I had did what I... Again, this might be me being very traditionalist, but like I had done a couple of the shrines and again, so I was kind of mid game ish. So I was like, okay, that was when you normally get the master sword. So I'm going to make it my mission to go get the master sword now. And that's when I bang my head against the wall, trying to figure out how the heck to get into the forest and then mm-hmm. get there. And then you talk to the, the, the Deku tree and then he explains to you like, you know, this number quest that like explained to you like how to get it. And then you see that it's moving around the map. I'm like, and trying to figure out why is it moving around the map? Oh, that's the dragon. And then land on the dragon pulled the sword because I had a lot of stamina. So, like, that's how it all played out for me, and I thought it was a very cool thing, and, like, you know, at least conceptually, like, okay, Light Dragon, like, this is, you know, some sort of Hylia goddess, like, stand-in or something like that. So it it made sense to me that that was how it worked. Um, And so it... And so, you know, when when I'm watching the cutscenes from the geoglyphs, and, like, you know, they talk about, like, consuming the tear and becoming the dragon, like, that was a, like... (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, I get it now. That's so cool. 
That's yeah, so, so cool. It worked for you in that order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, so, and I it's I love I love that it worked for us in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. I love, like we saw it both ways effectively. Yeah, so basically what happens is right after you do all the memories, you get that last memory that's on like the the spiral uh, out on the eastern sea and mm-hmm. there's um that last memory there, that's when they tell you for real. That's the scene where Zelda does it where she swallows yep. the stone and like basically says Link you you have to find me and then the dragon appears right there in that moment like on cue and then there's like 30 silent princesses which that's zelda's favorite flower surrounding you and you're just watching this dragon and it's like oh it's time to get up there and then you try and get up there and you you try and draw the sword that's pretty cool it it plays out in a really really cool way and i love that she drops you off at the the great sky island and you watch her fly away and the sword strapped to your back and oh my gosh it's just incredible it's so so cool i love that they did this. it's so good yeah this game, it didn't. It, it was not the big like tie together the story game. You and I had talked about it potentially. Yeah, leading up yeah. To. There's, I mean, we might need. I could probably do an entire show about like how it think how it fits and how frankly it seems to fit pretty terribly. And and how it kind of fits horribly with the story laid out in Breath of the Wild in a lot of ways. So, like, I need to figure out how to reconcile some of those things. So I think I need to, like, numerate, like, you know, l- let that stew a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, that's for um, Yeah, but, like, so, and so I, I will say, like, that that is my, just from a story standpoint, my biggest criticism. I like the story of this game. I like it a lot. I, it, it does such a good job, like, basically reinstilling this, like, desperation to, like, save zelda and moments like when you find out that zelda's actually been there the whole time like i felt certain like pangs of like guilt of like not recognizing that and like the fact that it's been so much time uh and like you know it's like oh yeah and the, the first game like zelda like you know she basically had to hold this thing at bay for 100 years she's like oh 100 years that's cute uh, <laughs> exactly. this is the founding of the kingdom which yeah. also does that mean that for a stretch there were two zeldas it does yep it means yeah in Isn't breath of the wild the light dragon is somewhere way up there you just never see it because it's yep. too high in the clouds yeah yeah and, and then i don't can't be bothered with calamity ganon um yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she knows that all turns out okay she knows it. It'll take care of itself. That'll that'll be fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. Does mean that. Yeah. Yeah. But, there, so there, there's a lot of weirdness there, and the only thing that I'll say about that right now is it it bums me out because something that I thought Breath of the World did a great job was placing itself like firmly as this intersection point, attaching mm-hmm. like connecting to all these games, and like it it worked exceptionally well as that, and they they kind of blew that up and. And again, it's because, you know, they are, you know, gameplay first, story later. And for folks like us who are really, really invested in the the overarching story of it, it's it can be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I've actually I'm kind of changing my tune on on how I feel about things a little bit about Traitor. this. And here's I've, no, I've, I've been betrayed kind of felt this way. But now I really know how to put words to it. I think that I liked the timeline when it was first unveiled. But then as the years went on, I started to really think. I kind of wish this didn't exist because I don't like that the conversation every time a new game comes out is what is where does it fit on the timeline? I think there's a lot more interesting questions to talk about. And I think that this game really nails that home for me where it's like I like to think of the legend of Zelda. It is this legend. Right. And, and as it's told throughout the years, it's like a bedtime story that people tell different ways. Yeah. Like one night the world was flooded. One night he was a wolf. One night, Zelda was a dragon. And it's just, it's this tale of the Triforce of Link, Zelda, Ganondorf, and just how it's told is different. 
And that's how I what, like to what, think about it. What What's a Triforce? Yeah, I know. It's not really in this game, huh? Yeah, at all, which is kind of a bummer. It's like been totally replaced with like the goddess statue instead as like I've, a recurring symbology. In it. I, we, yeah, we're going to have to get into this next week because I have, I, I have a, a lot I want to say about some of those things. Um, yeah, but so it, as far as like, and I agree with you completely there. Like, I like that the timeline is murky and messy and contradictory and unreliable because to me that's a legend right you know yeah. a lot of, you know you look at a lot of like greek mythology and they're about these like people who did exist but the story that that uh we know today we, uh, i don't know how accurate that is and you know it's expanded to these points of like the fantastic and so i i've always loved that zelda has done has done that and i've always liked the way that you know each game is only accurate to itself, and like they're n- you can't promise that they line up well with other things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it they always did this. Uh, oh, uh, what I felt like it has done really well is it's had these moments though where it's like, okay, you know, here's this other story that happened again. It's in, it's fantastical, it's imaginary, and you play through the separate thing. But then you see one thing where you're like. The story was true, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, like, it's like, it's like, just like, just crumbs of things where it's like, you know, oh, oh, if if we found like, and like I, this one did some of that with some of the items and stuff, but you don't know how like canon to the story of the items are. But like, you know, if you can uncover like just a sign that like, yes, all this messy stuff that doesn't line up right, yeah, it's, it, it it doesn't line up right. We don't understand it, but there's something there, yeah. like. That is that is the the overarching series narrative at its best, and that's what gets me really excited. Uh, and then like trying to figure that stuff out, and it, it this this kind of abandoned that, uh, which bums me out. Yeah, yeah, it did for the most part. I think yeah, Breath of the Wild did do that really well. But I don't know. I like the story they ended up telling here. I think once I got I agree, over... and, and 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 that's just it. Like I um, so from a story standpoint, I don't like the way it fits in with the series, but as its own self contained like duology. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I I I I like it a lot, and in particular, I I like this story a lot. I like the story of Zelda and Link getting separated, and Zelda awakening with her Sage of Time powers, ending up in a different age, and mm-hmm. setting plans in motion. I don't know, thousands of years in the past. I don't know how long it's been, yeah. uh, and and setting plans in motion so far, and like basically being the like catalyst of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Um. That is cool to me. That is a really cool story, and uh, and feeling so invested in like finding her and and like doing my part uh, is 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 a it's a, a very successful narrative overall. Yeah, it is, and I liked how it all played out a little bit more in this one. I think the strengths of Breath of the Wild come from the champions. Uh, I think that like they are great characters. That this game just doesn't have it. Has the modern day ones who are good. But they're also in Breath of the Wild. And then we replace the champions in this game with these nameless, faceless um, sages from from thousands. Yeah, like I. uh, Yeah, but it also does a lot more, I feel like, with some of the other side NPCs to make them interesting and unique characters. If anything, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's almost there's like a lower ceiling on the quality of characters uh, outside of your big three. But there's a higher floor like everybody else does seem to like just people you meet seem to have a lot more going on in their lives to make them a lot more interesting yeah. and a lot more defined roles and like the lives that they're living and you know especially places like Hino Village where they're trying to rebuild after 
uh, you know, in this like post calamity Ganon era, and like getting to the bottom of that and figuring that stuff out, it was is was really exciting to me, and I feel like uh, that excitement was rewarded with like how their lives played out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. It is funny though if you if you just choose to describe the Tears of the Kingdom or Breath of the Wild story in as basic terms as possible, they do sound the same. You could mad lib the two of them together. Yes. (laughs) Zelda sacrifices herself for a large number of years uh, as Link gathers the four champions from the four corners of Hyrule, and it all culminates in them fighting Ganon in the semi. Exactly. She spends a lot of time waiting on Link to awaken. Yes. Yes, a lot of time. Yeah. And in that time, we were doing a lot of different stuff around Hyrule. Like dungeons and shrines, which is what I want to get into next, because yeah. we, we kind of tiptoed around some of the dungeon puzzly stuff in previous episodes, mm-hmm. but it deserves to have a deeper dive because it's not Divine Beast in this game. It's dungeons. They call them it, that. In execution, they're still kind of Divine Beasty. Kind of in between. But a little bit dungeony. So, yeah. Justin, how do you feel about the dungeon design as a whole? Overall, I liked it. Um, I there was some hits or some misses. Uh, I'm still yeah. with you. I would still like bespoke dungeons. I would again. Yes. But I would like a little bit more linearity. Honestly, I I don't always want to be at the 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 center of a bunch of spokes. Like I I I want I want stuff to be a little bit more curated. Sometimes mm-hmm. I I think that you know very clear defined pathing where the developer can set up specific moments makes the open stuff feel more open and feels more like uh, interesting. Um, and so I would have liked more of that. That being said, I think this was a clear step forward from the divine beasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the areas are a lot bigger. Uh, there, there's a lot more like interesting mechanics to them. I feel like, you know, we're not just rotating camelbacks. Uh, we're not just lifting yeah. a trunk up and up, up in the air. And they are distinct enough from each other and how they function that they feel really fresh. I will say, I, I think that there are, there are three in particular that I, I loved, and that was um, the uh, Sky Temple with the very the very first one I did. Mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant, um, and then I did the one in the Gerudo Desert, and I was like, "Oh, well, this is the best temple in the game." But then I did the Spirit one, and holy crap, did I love the Spirit Temple! Uh, and in in particular, you know, you're reassembling the robot like in, in this like initial yes. phase once you get to it, and each part is a puzzle. Mm-hmm. and so like you usually there's like a group of like some toughish enemies you have to you have to mow down you go there and it was so great because like a lot of great puzzle games by the time at least i got to that point like i i could read the puzzle like i was reading a book i would yep. see the shapes of the structures and the parts around and i immediately snap things together build it and i go and it felt like such a great payoff to the time i had spent learning how all these things work and making terrible things like the boat that I put the cart on that sunk immediately and the poor Koroks that got launched into orbit or all the times that I tried to build a wagon and then started and then accidentally shattered it into pieces. Like all of my, my foolishness uh, had like led to me being really competent at building these things. And so just cruising through them felt awesome. Yeah. You need a boat. Cool. I got a boat. You need something that can glide on these weird tracks. We'll glide on some weird tracks. You need wheels. I got wheels. Oh, you need me to fly? Cool. I'm an ace pilot. Let's do this. And just just doing all of that. And then having it still surprise you by giving you a freaking robot to strap pieces on and then march through and smash things. And that had, I thought, my favorite of the boss fights of the temples where you just rock them, sock them robots uh, with like an electric fence around you. 
and again cracking the puzzle of that and how it worked in the different forms um yeah i thought again i I didn't love the other two nearly as much but uh it the i would say the boy you know honestly i i think at least four of the five temples are better than all of the divine beasts i think all of them are i really do i think they are all better uh which is the fifth the fifth that's not that's not better than divine beasts i didn't like the mines oh man that's my favorite i still don't yeah still don't like it uh, I could talk about wine in a second, but yeah. I, I I did like it though when you're when you're like in the minecart and like the the constructs roll up next to you yes. in their own, and you have a little like yes, a uh, little Fast the Furious action going on. But other than that, I didn't like that one. I liked I liked all of them a lot. I think that the wind and the water felt the most divine beasty to me. Just like yeah, there's the central area. Go activate the five things. Come back. That being said, there are some very cool puzzles in them, and those two I think have the two coolest approaches where you're in the sky going through this chain of sky islands that are very linear and have puzzles and combat mm. and treasure chests. And that feels like very classic moment to moment Zelda gameplay. I really yeah. like those parts. Yeah. The Sp- spirit temple has a great approach like that too. It does. Oh my goodness. That is, those are my two favorites are the spirit. I temple, love those big approaches. <laughs> or sorry, the, not the, spirit, the lightning temple. Uh, yeah. Lightning Lang- temple is awesome. I love that part so much. What a great temple. The, tower defense part in Gerudo town where you are taking out Gibdos, which mm-hmm. I know I've said a million times before. One of my favorite things about this game is how many classic Zelda enemies are back like Gibdos or like, yep. like likes or little things like bomb flowers that just really make it feel like it's like, this is a Zelda game in some ways the breath of the wild did not, but I love that in the lightning temple. I really like that when you enter, you're not automatically in that area where you have to, like start triggering all the mirror puzzles, you get to go through these like little caverns and it feels like an Ocarina of Time or, or Twilight Princess dungeon for a little bit. And then the main hook of the Lightning Temple being the the mirror puzzles just felt totally Ocarina of Time. Like, like in the Spirit Temple in that game in the desert where you're pushing these giant mirrors with the cobras on them to, to line mm-hmm. things up and you have the mirror shield in that game. Like super cool. I really, really liked that one. But for me, the Fire Temple was the closest they got to a classic Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask puzzle box dungeon where to solve it, you have to, you got to zoom out and look at the whole thing and think, Mm. how do these different areas interact with one another? Where I think my biggest problem with both the shrines and the dungeons in both of these two games is like, once you've solved an area, you're done in that area, you never have to think about it again. Right, yeah. but I'm playing Majora's Mask right now, and I just did the Great Bay Temple, and that is the one where you have to adjust the the flow of the water, and basically the whole crux of the temple is it's swirling clockwise. To get to the boss, you have to change all these switches to make that center room flow counterclockwise. There's nothing like that in these two games, and I miss it. Yeah, I and agree. the closest we get is the Fire Temple, where you have to be like, okay, if I rotate this, I can get up there. And then I can use that minecart to get over there. And if you do it the right way, I know almost no one besides myself who did. It feels like a pretty rewarding Zelda dungeon. It's hard. And it stumped people. And I like that. I want Zelda to stump people. And I felt like yeah. the Fire Temple did, which is why I have such an attachment to it. Yeah, I still, I, I just made, made ascended through everything. That might yeah. be part of the problem. <laughs> is is uh, I, I didn't do it that way. I will say of the, the boss fight, my favorite might have been the Thunder Temple. 
And I, I don't know what your approach was to, to the fight, but like you, you get to the second phase where it's flying around. There's the towers spitting dudes out and there's the like the big shaft of light. And I loved it because I, I felt like that was an area where the freedom like bestowed upon you by the way the game works really showed through. Because, you know, anytime the the boss gibdo like touched the light, it took damage. And so like I had a bunch of mirrors in my pockets. I, I threw a bunch of crisscrossing awesome. mirrors down on the ground. And so the boss was flying around, and I angled him, so the boss was flying around and, like, kept crossing through and kept taking damage and getting knocked down and, like, losing its, like, protective shield. And it was one where it's, like, yeah, like, I, I could just, like, flail wep like, wiggle weapons at it and, like, hit it with lightning. But, like, no, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna set this this up. Like, like, uh, like, uh, you are getting in the device. That's clever. And I put... Yeah, and I put it in the device, and I love that. Like, there's so there's a, a lot of good videos of like there's people who have made like weird like katana spinning machines that they stick Ganondorf in at the end, yeah. and all all sorts of things. Um, uh, but I, I do think that like so like that that might have ended up been my favorite boss fight if not for the if not the Spirit Temple one. Like those two. Like again, I I I I love when boss fights are puzzles. I want boss fights to challenge not just my reactions. But I want them to challenge me mentally, and those ones really did. Yeah, I think Queen Gibdo is also my favorite boss fight. I think just that enemy being back, it feeling very Twilight Princessy, and then I mm-hmm. did it a very classic Zelda way. I just fused a mirror to my shield and had my own makeshift. Um, he had your mirror shield. shield. Yeah, because yep. I really liked that in some of the older games. So that's mm-hmm. how I did it. But it's so fun to hear how different people do do bosses differently. Yeah, I think the only boss I didn't really like was the Water Temple one. Just with the sludge everywhere, I found that one just... It was kind of annoying. annoying, but Yeah. Was... In particular, so that the thing that annoyed me about that one was the fact that only um, Sidon's water would, like, affect the boss itself. Mm-hmm. And, and and so it it wasn't so much a puzzle as it was like, all right, here's the one thing you have to do, and then you just have to, like, slog around until you can do it. Yeah. That one was a bit of a miss. Um, the... The Wind Temple boss, I thought, was a really cool spectacle, which mm-hmm. sometimes that's all I need out of a boss fight. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate that. But yeah, I, th- I just thought on the whole, the boss fights were wins more or less across the board. Absolutely. Comparing them to the Blight Ganons, which... Oh my God, Thunder Blight Ganon can no still... Yeah, it's great. Like, yeah. that was just another element that just really made this feel like some of the some of the elements from the older games were back. Like fighting a giant spider, rock spider in the Fire Temple was super cool. Or yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and they were so so completely distinct from each other, both in size and shape and function and how they attacked. Whereas, like all the blights, like like maybe like when you remove the skin, they're extremely different from each other, but they looked so much alike. They were all conceptually all the same thing, um, and and these weren't. And like and there's mini bosses, like the the freaking hydra that you fight before you go into the uh, lava temple, like mm-hmm. uh, it. They, they, and the fact that like you, you get to the Thunder Temple and you fight uh, Queen Gibdo immediately, briefly, and then like happens yes. like drive her off. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that was Thunderblade could never. And the the rock sludge, the rock like like sludge like like or whatever that you mm-hmm. fight in the water area. Yeah, yep. yeah, they've all got yep, like that, exactly. Which is very cool. Uh, I also wanted to shout out the shrine quality here because I think that the the shrines are so much better in this game than they were in the last one. I think that, a lot more interesting. 
I think it's just because the abilities are more interesting. Yeah. And figuring out how to chain Ultra Hand and Recall and what you can ascend through and sometimes chaining all of those things together and, and, and the different fun fusion things you can do. They do a really good job of teaching you how to use the Zonai devices. The, the test of strength have been completely replaced with the Proving Grounds, which add that Eventide Island-like challenge just interspersed across the entire map when you never yeah, know they, when you're going to They understood there. how much people like that yeah. and they leaned into it and I thought that was great and they make those encounters puzzles and yeah I mean realistically I think that the shrines in Breath of the Wild for the most part were either Tessa Strength or some kind of physics puzzle like that's yes. really all they could be mm-hmm. whereas here because of the creativity afforded by Ultra Hand you could do so much more with them yeah. and 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 you know sometimes it was a, a test of your platforming sometimes it was a test of your creativity or your crafting ability or your ability to sneak sometimes you had to play hide and seek in the dark and find hard to locate things or you had to figure out the exact right type of machine to ride these complex series of rails that switch from one to another or you're just logan and you bounce off a spring shield and you glide (laughs) to the end yeah that works too yeah there's there's so many different ways to solve them and they're all exciting and They just doubled down on that part of Breath of the Wild where sometimes you could solve something a different way and you felt like a genius. And now it's like there's 30 to 40 ways I could think of you could solve most things in this game. And that's just so incredibly cool. It kind of got to the point where uh, it was like figuring out what their offered solution was that made me feel smart. Where it's like, okay, I can break this and get to the end anytime I want. What were they going for here? Let me see if I can figure that out. And and doing that became a, a game unto itself. Yeah, and then there's there's 32 more shrines in this game. A lot of them are blessings because there's more puzzles to solve in the overworld, whether that's in yeah. the sky or finding you, a secret shrine in a cave. Like You overcome the challenge to get there. Yeah, there's just a lot more of that, and mm-hmm. it all works really, really well for me. <laughs> I burned out <laughs> the shrines about 70 shrines in before in, in the last game. I'm at 140 now. And I'm still See, I'm going I, for the last 12. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I finished at 104. And there's also the one where you get a Raru's Blessing, you walk up to it, and they're like, oh, just kidding. Yes. Swerve. <laughs> yes, that is so good. That is yeah. so great. Yeah. They they do they do such a good job just with repeated actions building these very, very clear like neural pathways where you know this this is what's gonna happen. This is what's gonna what's gonna happen. And then they give you a curve. Yes. With like nothing to let you know that it's coming and they force you to like stop and rethink it and it's so smart and honestly like it's a difficult thing to you know do like the reason why it's hard for us to like see these things coming is it's difficult to think of and the fact that they thought of these things uh is is genius it's it is again uh we talked about this like when the game came out i I think this is among the most elite teams of uh, among the most elite people at developing video games, given a lot of time, a lot of resources and a great jumping off point. And you see it everywhere in this game. You do. And I really like what you just said about not seeing it coming. It's what they do better than anyone else, which is take a mechanic and think of every corner you can stretch it to imaginable. And then they just give it to you. Like there's mm-hmm. one moment where I'm diving into a, a gloom, infested hole in the ground and it doesn't take me to the depths i splash into this lake and it's like discovery (laughs) you're in a cave and i'm like oh my god i I did not see that coming at all and Mm -hmm. it's a really little thing but like the game's just packed with these little things that yeah or you you, have yeah you get so so close to like spelunking for caves and then like you know 
I remember one where like I felt like a genius because I looked up and realized there was a cave above me that <laughs> I nice. never would have like found otherwise if I hadn't just looked up at the time. Then I had to figure out how to get up there. Uh, uh, and I, I still contend, sign guy, uh, uh, mm-hmm. like the, those Hudson signs. Still maybe my favorite puzzle in any video game this year. I love putting those things together. Yeah. I, I think I still have a couple to find. I can't wait. There's like 82 of them. So <laughs> there's a lot out there. Yeah, not enough. Okay, I'm making the call. We're going to have to stretch this thing into two parts. We're going to yeah. have to oh, do... If, yeah, because we're uh, here. We're if, if, we can, if we can fit it into two, I'm proud of us. Maybe three. Yeah, but I'm happy here <laughs> uh, for this week. I still want to talk about what we were just starting to get into. Uh, next time we do this, I want to talk about just our favorite adventures we went on. Mm-hmm. We, we really tackled, I think, the story oh, man. in this part. But, like, what did you do? I want to talk about that. And I want to hear yeah. your stories, too, listeners. So send in your... Spo- spoiler it all spoil it all i know yep. it all i've done almost everything so send yeah. it in toads to boardroom at gmail.com so we Gloves can are off. yours next time uh and then i also want to talk about just our favorite areas in hyrule what's the kind of most compelling area to you and why uh and then we'll kind of wrap up and talk about our takeaways from this game but we'll do that next time we do our, our spoiler cast yep. uh, maybe we can revisit this next week to do yeah. a part two all right, but for now, that is another episode of the Total Boardroom in the Books, a weekly Nintendo show here on Thursdays, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to your shows. For now, you can find Justin online at... I'm at Twitter, I'm not calling it anything else, uh, at K-O-R-E-I-S. And I'm on that that dual-named site, uh, at Logan J. Plant. You can find the show at ToadstoolBR, and send us those emails, ToadstoolBoardroom at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time right here in the Total Boardroom.